This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. You're listening to the Dworkin Report, and I'm your host, Scott Dworkin. Today's podcast, we have a very special guest, Miss Stephanie Winston Wolkoff. She authored the bombshell book, Melania and Me, and is also the star witness in the D.C. Attorney General's case against the Trump Organization over misuse of funds during the 2017 Presidential Inaugural Committee. In this first part of a two-part interview, Winston Wolkoff revealed some exclusive, never-before-aired info about the financial details of the dubious Trump Inaugural Committee. Just a couple of weeks after we taped the interview, the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals restored the Trump Organization as defendant in the case after it looked like they might escape scrutiny. They did not. Before Donald Trump entered American politics, Stephanie Winston Wilkoff stood at the apex of New York's art and fashion worlds. During that time, she made friends with Melania Trump. Little did she know it would become a relationship she would later come to regret, saying in our interview that Melania had betrayed her. However, the one thing that she certainly doesn't regret about her relationship with Melania Trump and the Trump clan is keeping her receipts, copious, voluminous, never-ending receipts. We're talking texts, documents, audio files, emails, and if there's something else, I'm sure she's got it. It's not easy to stand up for what's right against powerful forces, but when someone sees something and says something, they demonstrate their moral fortitude. Few people in America have spoken out as extensively as my guest today, Stephanie Winston Wolkoff. Take a listen. I'm here with Stephanie Winston Wolkoff. She was an executive producer and advised the inaugural committee of Donald J. Trump, also was an advisor to the former first lady, and authored a revelatory book entitled Melania Me. Stephanie, thanks for joining us today. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me, Scott. Getting into the beginning of it, did you know the Trump family for a long time before they went political? Yeah, I actually knew Melania. Um, I didn't, and and I knew Ivanka. Uh, I knew Ivanka socially, but right. I knew Melania as a friend uh, for almost two decades. And um, I met her while I was working at Vogue, and we became friends. And I believed it was a real friendship. Um, and I learned the hard way that it wasn't. But um, I didn't really know the boys. Um, I and Donald, I had Donald, I absolutely had met a bunch of times, and he was very charismatic. Um, but we never, you know, double dated or anything like that. It was really Melania and me. Right. And in your opinion, did she change as individual, or did he after they got into like Republican politics, or were they always we kind of saw them at the White House? Um. You know, I because I didn't go out with them socially, I really don't know what they were really like. I mean, there were a few events that we went to for um, some children's events, um, but I really couldn't tell you. I just with I took it at face value. I guess that's I guess that's the best way to say it. <laughs> no, no. And for folks that uh, may or may not know you, uh, you know, they they may just think of oh. 
like I remember she advised Melania. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about your background and whatnot? Sure. Um, so I um, have been working in the fashion entertainment industry for almost, oh God, now it's three decades. And um, I had an incredible career that I loved so much. I was at Vogue for over 11 years, producing the Metropolitan Museum of Arts Costume Institute benefit with Anna Winter. Um, I helped raise over $60 million for the museum in order for the Fashion Institute to function. And um, all, as well as working on Men's Vogue, Teen Vogue, Vogue Living. And after working at Vogue, and in addition to the Met, um, I helped produce Seventh on Sale, Fashion's Night Out. I mean, some of the largest events in the country or in the world, basically. Um, and then after that, I, uh, after Vogue, I really um, thought I was going to take a little time off. And about three months later, Anna Winter called me and asked me to become the uh, ambassador for the move of fashion, Mercedes-Benz Fashion Week from Bryant Park to Lincoln Center. So I became the founding fashion director for Lincoln Center overseeing Mercedes-Benz Fashion Week, which took place two years, uh, sorry, overseeing Mercedes-Benz Fashion Week, which took place twice a year. Um, And um, I also became then, um, I worked with Lincoln Center as their founding fashion director, and I worked as IMG's. Um, director of fashion. And then in the middle of that, because things got a little political at Lincoln Center and with IMG, um, Anna told me to start SWW Creative. And that's how SWW got, you know, it was more about working with the industry and working with the young designers and the established brands as well, but helping young emerging designers be able to have a platform as well. And um, Lincoln Center was the perfect place for that. And culturally, it was iconic. And everyone really enjoyed it. And I loved it. And I worked with, um, you know, many, many different institutions. And um, throughout the year, I also produced um, Lincoln Center Presents, Ralph and Oprah in Conversation. Um, and that was something that it was a designer lecture series that I was starting at Lincoln Center. Um, and I also um, afterwards partnered with Penske Media. Um, I co-created and executive produced the Style Awards. Uh, which launched Mercedes-Benz Fashion Week. And then I also, um, you know, a bunch of different things, many different clients. Um, but my world of production um, was deep and um, enjoyed so much. And I gave it all up to um, help Melania and the Trumps and produce the inauguration. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda, whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com. So before I ask you the next question, I need to do a little Scott show and tell here, but most people don't know, but I worked on President Obama's 2009 inaugural committee. I was the deputy director of what they called the Real People Project. So his train ride in from uh, Philadelphia to D.C., I helped manage that and also helped manage the 43 people that he had on his uh, inaugural committee itself. So, so, so Quincy Lucas, who nominated uh, Joe Biden for the VP uh, spot, Lily Ledbetter, who obviously was the first bill that uh, Obama signed into law. Um, I also worked on 2012 convention and a bunch of campaigns in between. Uh, neither of those led to any investigations that I know of whatsoever. Um, you know, so this is a, but this is a topic that's near and dear to my heart. 
Um, you know, it, obviously it's, you know, it's, it's supposed to be in the inaugural committee, you know, a nonpartisan affair and, you know, focused on the country and building up what we can with that. Obviously, inauguration is now a subject that's dominated your life after the party, which is why I want to take you back to, to the beginning. Um, when, when Melania Trump first, I, I assume that it was Melania who asked you to get involved. Or how did you get involved with the Trump inaugural committee in the first place? It was Melania who asked me to get involved, but the official ask had to come from Ivanka and she connected, Ivanka connected me to Tom Barrett. Understood. Did, did it raise any sense of danger uh, for you to produce this event? I mean, like, I, I can't imagine that you'd be like, oh, red flag, like this seems sketchy. No, I was not at all. I have to tell you, I was so honored. I mean, to be asked, I mean, having produced, you know, all the events that I've done and being a part of history, and I felt an obligation to, how could I say no to producing the presidential inauguration? Um, I didn't think twice about it. Right. It seems like you could have had your pick of whatever you wanted, because those are some of the most stressful events. I mean, obviously, the inauguration is one thing, but like Fashion Week and the Met, like it, it, those are like really stressful events and running those. It just seems like a tough gig. So like, I'm not sure was was inauguration just eat cakewalk you know what i mean like after after that, it's like oh they're all worried about this but like look at what i've had to do before like is was it more like you know was it a lot easier to to join this like was it very time consuming like how how demanding was was the work with the nargo committee well i have to say um there was nothing more complicated or difficult than working on the presidential inauguration committee and planning the inauguration I mean, the Met was a piece of cake. I mean, I really, that's the truth. Wow. Um, and the reality behind all that is that I was in control with Anna Winter and the Met um, of a transparent budget. Planning the um, Met Gala uh, was a piece of cake compared to planning the presidential inauguration. Right. Which yeah. is quite, quite frightening, actually. Um, look, I didn't know the players. I didn't know who I was getting involved with. I thought I was going in to produce two events. And those two events turned into 18 events. And, you know, you think you're going in and working with certain vendors that have been part of the process since the Truman era. And you realize that those vendors are actually perhaps not doing what they should be doing. Mm -hmm. And so more vendors are brought in and more vendors are brought in and the budgets just kept going in different directions and people kept showing up out of nowhere um, and different committees were formed, you know, independent of any conversations. And um, there was just a lot of, you know, a lot of, it, it was, it, when I say it was like a circus, it really was. Mm -hmm. And um, I didn't realize that I was, you know, going to be the woman, you know, blown out of the cannon. Right. It, it's uh, <laughs> It was always confusing because I was like, uh, oh, so we have the main, it was the neighborhood ball, which was the first ball that he went to. And, and then where people could buy tickets. I mean, it was, it was hard to get in because there were a few thousand people there and that was it. Um, and then there was like an East ball, a West ball, a Midwest ball, a South right. ball. Uh, and then like, you know, there, later on there was a staff ball. I remember for, for our staff ball, which was like, you know, like 1500 people at the armory in DC. Uh, and we had arcade fire open for Jay-Z and Beyonce. And like that's awesome. <laughs> nobody like, knew right. who Arcade Fire was. I was like, "What are you? No, what are you talking awesome. about? Right. They still have festivals." And they're like, 
I never heard of him. And I'm like, you need to get out from under your, your hole and your desk. Like, what are you doing, man? Um, but the, so anyways, the, the, that, that is interesting because people would assume, I mean, I even assumed that the, those events would be so, I mean, obviously taxing, but then you get to, you, you make a great point that, you know, the political end of it and, uh, also just what you know not knowing the players and whatnot it makes it it tough that yeah you have there's this whole thing and i've seen so many different angles from it in regards to this uh, 26 million dollar contract which i uh, allegedly was with you and you had money that you got paid personally it does not seem like uh I, I'm not sure exactly what, what what does it mean with this contract? Where did this money go? Was that actually your money? Did it go to you? I, I don't understand because it's confusing. I see some things on left or right, um, but I don't see like clarity in regards to like, was there even a contract? Like, that, I, I don't even know. Like, did you see a contract? Did you sign, like, I, I don't. Oh my actually... God. I think you're like the first person that's actually asking that question. I really appreciate it because the contracts are definitely, um, areas of interest that should concern people. And, um, you know, when I went into this, again, I was, I was going to help produce two events. I was creating a very simple contract as an independent contractor with the presidential inauguration committee with Tom Barrett. And, um, you know, then Rick Gates got involved, then Sarah Armstrong got involved. And that contract ended up not coming to fruition because I kept spelling my name as Stephanie Winston Wilcox which they kept spelling like that for the next three years. But that, you know, regardless, I wanted my contract. And so um, a few days had passed. I went out to D.C. to see what was going on and meet some of these, you know, incredible vendors um, and people that have worked on these inaugurations all these years. And um, I brought a partner of mine who I'd worked with on Global Citizen and on some nonprofit events. And he actually, well, I call him a partner because he ended up being a partner, but he wasn't actually my partner at the time. So um, when I went out to D.C. for the first time, I had asked um, a friend of mine who I had worked with on several nonprofits to come with me. And he had a company called Tiny Horse. And Tiny Horse um, is a storytelling company, digital media and um, marketing and, you know, huge clients like NBC and, you know, just Walmart and many. And um, he and I were in DC and we realized that there was going to be a broadcast production, which had never been even you know mentioned to me. And I, again, I had never been to an inauguration. I'm being honest. I'm not, I wasn't political, like my bad, because I was picturing two events. I wasn't thinking about broadcast productions. And so when we were told that it was November 28th, um, that there were going to be broadcast productions. There was no team. There was no one. And, um, you know, at the time, it was, you know, Mark Burnett to the rescue. And so Mark Burnett flew in and, um, you know, met with Tom and uh, and Donald, and they had their that meeting at Trump Tower. And after that meeting, it was decided that uh, they had a great group of people, um, broadcast producers that had worked for Burnett for many years, that were going to come in and save the day. And they were great. They really were. Um, it was a company called the Ralph Wagner Company. And this company um, then created, again, a separate entity in order for full transparency of funds called Inaugural Productions. 
And of the $26 million that was eventually paid to Wiz, which was Stephanie Winston-Walkoff and Tiny Horse, which created Wiz, the entity, um, that $25 million of the $26 million went, or sorry, it was $1.62 that was retained. I actually didn't know if it was $1.62 that was retained because I never had access to the finances. I never had a checkbook. I didn't know where the safe bank account was. That was on the side of my partners, Tiny Horse. Um, I was dealing with the creative elements of the project and overseeing that. And so Inaugural Productions was paid $25 million pre-approved budget before any of the um, you know, uh, talent was defined, before knowing what the stage build out was going to be. So it was sort of, you know, when I talk about it in my book, and when I've spoken about it very publicly, you know, about backing into the numbers, I had concern at all times. There were discrepancies and accuracies. And I did. I called it out every time I saw it. And everyone just wanted me to shut up. And I didn't. And, you know, I became the problem. Um, and at the end of the day, you know, they needed to make sure that I looked as a very incompetent individual who sort of was a party planner. Um, and not realizing the extent of my experience. And at the end of all of this, I just have to say, you know, it's the truth does eventually catch up, right? If you follow the money and you understand the different corporations that are involved and the different entities that are working together, you eventually see the rollout of, of, of how things moved. So was I personally paid $26 million? No. Was I personally paid $1.62 million? No. Was I actually even paid the $480,000 that I thought I was? No. <laughs> so um, I, and I recently am just figuring more things out as, as, as the days go on um, because I'm still connecting the dots and trying to figure out what happened to me. And so um, I've now have my bank receipts and I've every day there's something new that's coming up. Where did, where did the money go? Or do you not know yet? I mean, like where, like this money was routed, did it land in someone's bank account? You know, oh, yeah. did the money. No, no, no. The $25 million went to inaugural productions, which was a broadcast production right. company entity um, created by Mark Burnett's um, broadcast production people. And that went to right. all the third party vendors. And so in addition to those third party vendors, um, the, there was also uh pick, presidential inauguration committee was also paying the same third party vendors. So I didn't understand why I, Stephanie winston Walkup, had to be involved in anything if PIC was already paying these vendors and so was inaugural productions. So you see what I'm saying? Like it just didn't make any sense. But at the time, again, I, everything was moving so fast and we had to get the show on the road and there were 18 events. Mm -hmm. I entrust, put trust in my partners that they were handling that aspect and that again was a legitimate sure if it was signed off on by Tom Barrick and Rick Gates and Sarah Armstrong and Jeff Larson and Doug Ammerman I mean this was the the these were the people in charge of the budgets and because it is private funding you know it's not up to me to say that um you know a, a, an LED screen shouldn't be fifty thousand dollars it should be five thousand dollars but when I see something that's five thousand dollars unit cost and the extended price of two of them should be $10,000 because you had 5,000 plus 5,000, not, you know, 5,000 for one and then 100,000 for two. That's where things for me, you know, red sirens kept going off. And um, I do, I take 
pride in, in the work I've done all these years. I know um, there's a lot I don't know, but instinctively, I know that um, when something doesn't seem right, you just express it to the people that are in charge. And so I did openly, mm -hmm. constantly um, express my concerns to the finance committee uh, that was overseeing the budget of the presidential inauguration. Did you, do you think that they were spending money in a frivolous way? You know, I, as a lead witness in the United States um, Attorney General's case for the District of Columbia, Carl Racine's office, um, I have spoken up very um, honestly, openly, um, especially when I was deposed during my testimony in regards to the Trump family and the family business profiting from the presidential inauguration committee. And absolutely it did. Um, there's no doubt about that. The receipts are there. Um, and, you know, I believe that perhaps the Trump International Hotel in DC would be comping um, some of the costs, thinking that this is now going to the president elect his family is celebrating the inauguration in DC. I didn't expect the cost to actually exponentially um, go from, you know, one to a hundred, which they did. So the, the, the fees were exorbitant and the um, reality of it is that, you know, again, I wasn't in control of the budget and um, I did bring this to Donald Melania's attention. I brought it to Ivanka's attention. Um, I have contemporaneous notes about this. I have emails about this, which I shared with the entire, you know, 60 people that were on these emails. And so um, I have shared all of that with um, the District of Columbia, uh, with the Attorney General's office. And, um, you know, the Trumps just want to say it's not true. That didn't happen. Um, you know, you, you know, Carl Racine is making this up. I mean, things are in black and white and he's not making it up. And I was there and I was witness to this graph and it's not okay. Thanks again to Stephanie Winston Wilcock for taking the time. Thanks again to our producer, Grant Stern. You can follow him at Grant Stern on Twitter. Thanks again to Sam Jones for helping this production. You can listen to more episodes at our website at DworkinReport.com. You can subscribe to our podcast at anchor.fm slash Report. Thanks again for listening. Onward!